With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house. Ball poked away by DeJulius. Diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett. Fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three. Good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight. The one-handed catch. Hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34. It. And it is over. Zero losses. Zero doubts. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to a very special edition of Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer. And we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week and every so once in a while in our Twitter spaces post-game reviews. This is a very special day. Uh, We are going to go in-depth, at length. We have no timer set today. This is very rare. And we're just going to see where this goes. So if you're afraid of the clock, just don't watch it. Uh, (laughs) Please stick around. We've got a lot to cover here. Today was the schedule release for the Big 12. We have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And then, what, maybe two, three days ago, we just got blindsided. And they're just like, Yep, we're dropping it like tomorrow or drop whenever on Tuesday. And it was like out of the blue. We were like, are we going to get the schedule this year or are we just going to wait till like August? Uh, And so it's finally here. The Bearcats schedule is confirmed. I'm going to go ahead and rattle that off and I'm going to hand it over to Steve. We have EKU at home at Pitt, Miami and Oklahoma at home. Awesome. At BYU. Also awesome. Bye week. Iowa State. Baylor at OK State, UCF at home, at Houston, and rounding off rivalry week because the Bearcats' biggest rival in college football is absolutely Kansas, with Kansas, at the end of the season. Steve, this is so much fun that we're finally here. How do you feel about it? Yeah, yeah, it feels like it's been about uh, two years in the making. The the original tweet (laughs) from the Big 12 says, the day you've been waiting for since September 10th, 2021. They know us. They know that the newcomers, so um, it it was great, man. It it just feels so good to like know. Okay, we were actually in. The schedule is real. We're playing these teams. (laughs) It's very exciting. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, We're already looking at uh, you know flying out to Provo for the first road game. Uh, Mm -hmm. My my brother Justin, we've been in contact. Uh, Buddy out here, shout out to Frank, uh, UC alum. He's thinking about going to. So we, we got at least four people who are thinking about going to Provo. So 
Um, looking forward to just being a part of this Big 12 road schedule and just the Big 12 schedule in general, Justin. It's just very exciting to see Oklahoma and it be a conference game, although they're only going to be in the conference for another year. You know, it's still very exciting to have them come come to Cincinnati. They got to go to UC in uh, in September, Justin, and then they got to go Oklahoma. This is they have to go to Provo in November, man, like week week 12 of the college football season. They're going to Provo. Like, can you imagine how cold it's going to be that week? It's going to be hard, the lo- especially all those Florida. Over. In Alabama yeah. and south southeastern U.S. recruits, those yeah. guys are going to be freezing their tail off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Oklahoma, you know, they they had a certain event there that they, was caused by a lot of wind back in the day. We don't need to talk about that. Um, but uh, you know, they, uh, uh, they they're 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 no strangers to cold, but I don't think they've ever experienced mountain cold before. Neither have I. So I can't tell you that uh, I'm better than them anyway. But okay, regardless. <laughs> off on a tangent on the Oklahoma Sooners and their ability to play in the cold. I'm just very excited about this, uh, just just breaking down this entire schedule, Justin. And uh, just off the rip, I like what I see. I like what I see a lot. I, li- I, like, I like it. Why don't we go over it real quick, uh, Justin, some of those notes yeah. we, we have. Yeah, here's the biggest thing to pay attention to. Um, whether you do like this part or not, I think it's definitely the most favorable part of our schedule is not who's on it, but actually who's not on. So for the first year in the big 12, the Bearcats have avoided K state TCU, Texas and Texas tech. And that actually makes the Bearcats. uh, When you look at their win totals, I saw a tweet. Can't remember if I find it, I'll try to thread it somewhere. Credit to whichever guy found that, but uh, the Bearcats have the highest win total comprised of the teams that they've avoided so between tcu k-state your conference championship game um include players teams in the conference championship game texas and texas tech i think we've got off on a pretty lucky start schedule wise and then to also have oklahoma at home i think is huge byu on the road is going to be tough but at least it's a little bit earlier in the season um and then I think down the stretch, like, OK State after our bye week. Other than that, is is are you, could you really tell me that Iowa State, Baylor, UCF, Houston, and Kansas are not manageable? I mean, it's we're 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 going to see what happens here. We're going to try to keep keep the uh, mindset positive, but also rational. But it looks like there's a possibility for a very good season out the gates should things get off on the right foot with Satterfield as the head coach and if all the pieces fall into place, which he's brought a lot from the program with Louisville to Cincinnati, and he's got a lot of his kind of people in there. So he knows the system that's working, and we have the most favorable schedule in the Big 12. Also in this situation, What's really nice about the schedule, having the most favorable schedule in the Big 12, you get the credit of the strength of schedule of the Big 12, but you get the weakest strength of schedule in the Big 12. And now we're talking going forward with the college football playoff and the expansion. There's a lot of room for forgiveness here if this is what our schedules are going to look like. And I think it's really, really a nice path for the Bearcats to continue where they've been. Yeah, 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, there's also just like, if you ever needed a year one grace period, this is it for Scott Satterfield. Like Jeez. he's got to be just like over the moon with this schedule. And I think like, it's not crazy hard enough where expectations are going to be set too low. And obviously, you know, coming up from the AAC and the talent gap and the guys that we lost, you know, just and gained, you know, there's going to be a difference there, but I do think like he has a chance to really come out of the gate swinging with a really good record in year one. And, you know, I, I also don't think you should hold it against him if they only go like six and six, five and seven in this first year. But I do think there's a lot of, a lot of room for optimism here. Like you said, Justin, yeah. we're missing the top four teams from the 2022 final standings of the big 12. Uh, you know, you get the bot four of the bottom five teams from last year's standings in your last like five weeks after mm -hmm. the bye week so you know and you know you get ucf at home that's a big one but um you you, you gotta like your chances against them at home five home conference games too which is great um next year we'll probably have four so that if, that's how that goes but uh it's a it's pretty exciting to just be able to actually you know just talk about a list that includes these big time names and you you tweeted this out justin and i I voted on your poll and it was a uh, temple was the resounding winner of teams <laughs> oh, yeah. we're lucky to have to never play again. So yeah. no temple on the schedule already a success. No East Carolina already <laughs> a success. Replace them with the, yeah, like, like you said, Baylor, Iowa state, Kansas. Uh, I just, I really enjoy it. Um, so I kind of want to like look at it from like the hardest games and the easiest games we'll have just off of the uh, SP plus rankings from the end of last yeah. year. And obviously this can't be just the only thing we look at because rosters everywhere have changed since we last saw college football played uh, oh, at the start of this month, actually, uh, at, in early January. So uh, the hardest game we have on our schedule is that Oklahoma game. They finished the 2022 season ranked number 18 in the SB plus final poll from Bill Connolly. And they do return Dylan Gabriel, um, Brett Venables in his second year had a, a really big recruiting class. I think he it was a top 10 class. Uh, uh, happy National Signing Day all over again, by the way. Uh, you, as you're listening to this, it is National <laughs> Signing Day. So uh, funny how that's kind of become irrelevant. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, we, yeah, Oklahoma, National, that's just going to be I kind of feel like we might go here day. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very lukewarm. Uh, Justin, though, I am excited about what the, like, to see what Oklahoma is next year. Cause they went six and seven this year, but obviously that number 18 shows you like what, what their potential is with a fully healthy roster. And when they lost Dylan Gabriel last year, they, the wheels just kind of fell off for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So I am interested to see, but that is just going to be an absolutely raucous environment at Nipper with a big time team, big time program coming in there. It's going to be insane. Yeah. I mean, and I, I mentioned this earlier too. I was like, you got to hope that, the schedule works out TV wise to make that a nip at night game. That would just be electric. Like yeah. I, what was the last time that Oklahoma, we played Oklahoma that was in Paul Brown, what, like 2015, right? Uh, 2010, 2010. It was that far back. Yep. 2010. God, we're old shit, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, regardless, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where like this environment is going to be, something that like we've built on that and it's 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 you're never gonna have a problem getting 
Bearcats fans to come out for games, especially with what we've built over the past, you know, six years or so. But moving forward, this, this, there's no reason the stadium shouldn't be sold out for every single game. Like seriously. I mean, I think this is going to be a continued tradition. I'm of course, ticket prices go up, but like people are going to want to come out and see this. And there's going to be a newness and an excitement about playing teams that we have not played in decades sometimes probably more than that and for a few of them maybe even ever um i i think this is just a very very cool scenario to be in and and be around this is this still cutting out uh <laughs> sorry for those of you who just noticed the little headphone switch but uh, we're getting some weird feedback hopefully this fixes it um from my side but regardless um yeah i mean this ever everything with the newness around this you know program that's going to be happening again with so many changes in the athletic department so many changes around the football team staff players program goals expectations like i think it's just very cool like it's 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 weird to like just you know talk about like expecting probably to lose more and it to be really cool and fun but like this competition is something that we have been so we, we we we've we just haven't had the chance to have and it it's it has sucked honestly like if we're being if we're being realistic here like it's been awesome winning but every time it sucks to like be questioned in the polls it sucks to be questioned at the end of the year when you run train through your schedule when you've had no issues and to now finally have a competitive schedule against teams that Iowa State I mean, look where they were a few years ago. Baylor, look where they were a season before last. They were <laughs> like it's, these teams like in this conference, it's so volatile and teams come in and out every year. And, you know, why couldn't it be us? Like this is this is exactly why this conference is so much fun. And to to a degree of playing higher competition and getting more credit, I also have this little birdie in the back of my mind that says too, like, you're going to get, you know, better recruits. You're going to play up to tougher competition. Is it really going to be that much different? Like when it, when it comes to like, when it comes to results on the field, maybe, but like you're playing sure tougher teams, better recruited teams, but is there a reason that you wouldn't be able to compete at the same level? And I, I don't see why there'd be a change. It just, to me, it all comes down to if we're able to maintain the level of recruiting in the state of Ohio that we've been able to do True. just being in the uh, American. And I, I, Justin, I never really liked the argument, especially from like a couple of national guys this year that after Luke Fickle left, he, I think Luke Fickle told the national writers that there was clearly some, some doubt, doubts and some worries about UC joining a Texas based league basically, and how that's going to translate to recruiting. But if I think to myself, you know, like there's no big, big East anymore. We've been playing in a league that has, you know, been pretty Western based. Like, I mean, I, you know, other than Temple, UCF and USF, you know, East Carolina, we're, but we're, we're not recruiting against those teams really, you know, mm-hmm. we're, and in this state, even though the recruiting, uh, the conference, our conference has changed, our recruiting rivals have not. It's still on a different level, Ohio state, but it's still Kentucky it's still Michigan state. It's still like, you know, Michigan, when they want to come down, it'll be right. Wisconsin. Um, it'll be Definitely. Nebraska. Like 
there's still we're competing with all these Big Ten and SEC teams when you include Kentucky. We're still competing with all those guys for recruits. And if we can continue to win some of those recruiting battles and maybe even get up into like a higher echelon of recruit that maybe had not considered UC before because we were in the American, I think that'd be great. And obviously uh, coach Satterfield has some national ties and there's been a lot of guys from Georgia. Uh, like there's a couple guys from California, some Florida guys, a lot of guys who are not from this 300 mile radius visiting uh, Cincinnati and like, you know, taking official visits and committing and, and yeah. being a part of the recruiting pitch. But I, I just, I think that's the biggest point to me is if you're able to maintain this local recruiting and all the great kids that come out of the city and the, well, the state of Cincinnati. And just, if you're able to bring those players up to this level and play with these guys, if you think about it, Justin, we're not really going to go into Texas that much for recruits because there's five other schools in our league, six right now with Texas that are in that state. We're competing mm -hmm. for the same guys. And Texas is way bigger than Ohio, of course, but, and they can all find different guys there. But I think there's just a, this state of Cincinnati that has obviously been such a huge boon for Luke, when Luke Fickle was here. If Scott Satterfield can maintain any of that and even grow on it, and obviously he'll have to fight back against a bunch of other suitors, but, yeah. I really think that's the that's the main key to me, Justin. It doesn't yeah. really matter to me who these other guys are recruiting and who we're playing against because we're kind of still just playing against ourselves and our, our local competition, you know. And once we get into the Big Ten eventually, then maybe we'll be actually playing against the, the guys we're recruiting against. But, you know, one day. Yeah, well, and this is this is a thing that, like, you know, maybe people's mentality isn't quite there and it's probably even less so now that we're in the big 12, but I mean, before, like, I, I, this is a weird conversation, but like as much as you're competing against Ohio States and Michigan's and all these other big 10 schools, you're also competing against Mac schools. And this sounds really weird, but for those guys who are, you know, those fringe players who are talented but maybe want to go in and start right away and want to jumpstart stuff too. Like you're also able, you're, you're at an, you're at a level now where like, I think it's out of the question where like, you're definitely going to take that time to develop in a big 12 conference. than maybe you would in the American where you might meddle around a little bit. And, and I mean, it's, it's like I said, it sounds really weird because we're a way above the Mac in, in recruiting but, and competition, but like, Here's where I'd fight back on that, Justin, is that like, no offense to the Mac, but like, when's the Mac like been able to pull guys out like that? And like, well, no, I now, uh, now like there's like Mac guys that are just transferring out to bigger schools. And I like, I don't, I'm like, I'm a sicko committee member, Justin. I love the Mac. I love all forms of college football. But uh, the nice thing about UC being in this area and being another power, power five team, but there's no like power six, like other team in this area, really, that's able to step into where UC was and say to recruits, hey, you're still going to play on a high level of college football. It might not be at the power five level, but we'll get you playing time right away. You're going to play in big games. UC can still say that, you know, because True. the other two conferences they're really recruiting against are going to say like, oh, yeah, we're in the big we're we're in the big two now. Right. You see, can still kind of be like, you know, we're not in those two leagues, but 
We give you an opportunity to play in a, a big time conference. You get to play in Texas and Florida and, you know, well, is Iowa really a recruiting point? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but anyway, I mean, I do think yeah. you can recruit to it saying like, Hey, this is like the most competitive league in college football. Anybody can win in any year. And we, we, we don't have a defined power. So we're going to try and be like, you know, we can still be that power. And like, I, I just think it really is just comes down to recruiting, recruiting, yeah. As Ari Wasserman says all the time, is the lifeblood of any Power Five college football program. And Justin, it's incredibly important to me that 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 Cincinnati pipeline uh, stays with uh, with Coach Satterfield. And it's a good thing that he was able to keep Kerry Combs and Walt Stewart. And he uh, those those two have obviously like been able to show him around the city and get him introduced to um, the you know the local high school coaches. And I, I think obviously you know like the Wisconsin staff has a lot of ties here now, but mm-hmm. I, I still think there's something about playing at Nippert Stadium, playing for your hometown team, being able to have your parents and your family come to all of your home games. And I think there's still a lot of kids and like, you know, that can, that can you can recruit, use that message to recruit to them. So yeah, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens on the recruiting trail. And that's yeah. really going to be my bellwether for how we'll be able to perform in this league. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I a hundred percent agree with you on that point too. It's like, it's like you said, I mean, there's no, there really isn't competition as far, as far as this region goes, even within the conference. Like I, I don't see why anybody would be concerned about Texas as, as it is like, Sure, Texas has a very high population and has a lot of recruits. We don't need recruits from Texas. Let them all just fight over the same recruits. Let them do that. Like, I mean, of course, I know you're. I know you're going to go say this is like it's like okay. Well, we'll still take him and we'll still fight for it. Yes, I'm not scaring away recruits from Texas, and I don't want to say we shouldn't recruit Texas because there are a lot of very talented players. But what I'm saying is, is like we don't. We, we don't need to meddle over, you know, players that are getting a million offers from within our own conference, all the other surrounding conferences that are now going to be SEC as well. Like that, that fight, let other people fight that fight. We have such a talented area here in the Midwest, in this Great Lakes region here that you can just pull so much talent from. If you can get the guys from Texas while they're doing all that and they're, fighting back and forth and bickering over which recruit they can get. And, you know, these Texas guys are taking a road trip and visiting four schools in a weekend because they're all there. Like, fine, cool. But like this area, we can have a huge amount of control over. And we are, I mean, we do, we, at our level, we do. And I think now like looking at it, you know, competing against Ohio state, competing against Michigan, competing against the Michigan States, competing against Indiana. We're not even going to say anything about the state of Indiana. Just watch last year when we're in the AAC, Power 6, whatever, and then where we're going, let that do the talking for itself. But this this region is is the lifeblood of this program, and this is something that, like, we can really hold on to. And, like, I really hope that Scott Satterfield, like, embraces that. And, I mean, it seems like he will, but – this is one of those things where like, there's so much talent here. Like, I don't see why we would need to be in the middle of all of these other recruiting battles. When your first argument is like, Hey man, you want to stay closer to home 
and you want to be in one of the most competitive conferences in the country, like especially offensively, I think we've done such a good job recruiting defensively and offensively. Sure. We've had a lot of great recruits, but now I think it even more so is like you want to, if you're a very talented offensive player, you could say, all right, whatever sec big 10, whatever. These are very defensive prowess kind of leagues. The Big 12, as much as I love defense and we love defense here in Cincinnati, they score and they score a lot. And if you want to well, get a very talented kid in there, like I think that that conversation for offensive football is definitely like takes another step forward too here. Yeah, I mean, you know, that I, I I would say it's not like the Patrick Mahomes Baker Mayfield games anymore. It's not like right. 60 to 55 every week, but there is some scoring. I I do agree with that. Um, and I, I do think too that like, you know, the there's going to be a zig and zag, but I think since all of these teams are pretty evenly matched and obviously without Texas and Oklahoma, it's all kind of like 12 teams that are in like that same state, you know, like there's not True. one defined power or pre-existing like long-term, like great team over all of that. And I think it'll be interesting just as fans of this new league, just to see who comes out on top. And obviously I, I have a few ideas of who it might be eventually, you know, but I think there's a great chance for the, for UC to really come in and compete right away, especially with the recruiting base we got. So um, yeah. speaking of competing right away, I actually just uh, pulled up a Bill Connolly tweet be, uh, earlier when I was um, talking about SP plus. And uh, he says that after the schedule release today, UC and Oklahoma state uh, already to him uh, before his final projections come out, they already have seven and a half toss up games. Like they both <laughs> on this schedule. What's which is crazy to me because UC finished the year at 30, 30 in the SP plus rankings, you know, I, but obviously the things are changing and the lowest team we have now in our league is a 71, which is BYU. So like it's a step up now too. And, you know, we don't get any like Tulsa's who are just horrible or well USF, even though they yeah. always gave us close <laughs> games somehow. Um, like just, we, it's, it's nice that there's also going to be like no off nights and, um, I kind of want to go through the schedule real quick, Justin, just game by game and see if our thoughts have changed because I said six and six, you said seven and five at the end of the football season last year, but now we have a schedule. Now we have a thing to look at. So I kind of want to just go week by week and talk about the games and see where we come up with at the end. One little tidbit right before you start that. There's no more playing down to competition. No more playing down to competition. No more USFs where you're like, oh, well, that's like, I mean, if you've got a close game to Iowa State, it's like, shit, man, that's a, <laughs> all right, let's go. Like, I mean, it's fine. Versus like, if you got it's, a close game with USF, you're like, what, what, what is the state of our program? Do we need to have yeah. dialogue right now? Like, <laughs> gonna feel it's nice. It's going to be funny too when we are like wow, losing our minds over us losing, like we're like losing to West Virginia who's already fired their coach in like week 11 and we're like, guys, we're in the big 12 now. We don't really need to be doing this, but yeah. it, I don't know, it's going to be fun. So we're going to enjoy it. Uh, Justin, why don't we go ahead and just uh, start with game one. Game one, Eastern Kentucky. They beat Bowling Green last year. I don't know. Ooh. No, <laughs> Ooh. At Bowling Green. No, I'm going to say that's a win. I do respect the colonels of Eastern Kentucky, but uh, shout out to Benny Coney who uh, transferred there after his playing oh, yeah. days at UC. But uh they also had a coach named Elder, uh, you know, Mark, Mark Elder, who was, uh, I think he was at Muller after his time at East, East, Eastern Kentucky. Either way, uh, 
I think the Bearcats will take care of business in that one. Yeah, I really don't see there being much of an issue. Home game, starting the season, going to have a lot of momentum. You're figuring stuff out. I don't see why that's not a kind of like three score plus win. Like, I mean, it's maybe not three score, but at least two. At least two. We don't know what we're going to get here. We're going to pump the brakes a little bit on that, but it's a guaranteed win. Guaranteed is is like 90% plus guaranteed win. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. Can't wait to get clipped later when somebody when the absolute apocalypse happens. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, moving on from week one at Pitt. Now, you want to talk about toss-up games. We're going to get into it real fast. At Pitt is not going to be easy. Of course, like Pitt is, you know, not the Kenny Pickett kind of Pitt, small hands Pitt that they were a few years ago, but it's it's not gonna be easy in this game. I really think like, I mean, it, we talked about this before. It'll be nice that Scott Satterfield has some amount of experience coaching against them in their current ish system, much more relevant than our decades past now worth of information on Pitt. Uh, I think this game is gonna be really close. Personally, I think this one could definitely go either way. Um, if the Bearcats are gonna have their first loss on the season, I really do think that it would come in this one i would hope that it wouldn't i would hope all of our losses only come well we i hope we have no losses but i hope all of our losses if they do come come during conference play and not during uh one of these first three games so yep um i'm just gonna uh like there's a lot of similarities between scott satterfield's 2022 louisville team and the 2022 cincinnati bearcats and if he's able to just maintain that for year one I, I think in, you know, the 2022 Cardinals, they did beat Pitt at home. And this this game will be on the road. Um, I don't know how much of a home field advantage Heinz Field. Oh, sorry. Not Heinz Field anymore. <laughs> Something. Um, yeah. Uh, how much of an advantage they will have against Cincinnati. It was pretty packed for that game against West Virginia last year. But I don't know if they feel the same way about UC. You know, like obviously there's hate between the Steelers and Bengals in professional football, but I don't know if they have the same hate towards us. I mean, 2009 was about 13 years ago, or 14 years ago now. So yeah, it's, it's true. been a while. Things but, fizzle um, out, but be, but because of that, I'm going to say Scott Satterfield is able to pull out a win. Um, I just I think the fact that we run an offense and Pitt's offense is uh, three yards in a cloud of dust. I don't know about that. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I like our chances there. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I'd have to agree with you too. I mean, I, like I said, that game is more of a toss up, but do I feel more confident or less confident about that? I even feel more confident. So I would agree at this point in the season, we should be two and zero. I think that's fair to ask. And I think that's fair to ask of Satterfield, uh, Miami. Do we really need to have this conversation? Ring a ding, ding, move on. Ring a ding, ding. Everybody got it done. Freaking Brian Kelly got it done. Butch Jones got it done. Tommy Tuberville got it done. Luke Fickle got it done. Why would Scott Satterfield be any different? Ring-a-ding-ding, as you said. Oklahoma, this is where this conversation gets a little more spicy. Oklahoma's going to be really interesting. I mean, I... I this, oh, this, game, this game's going to be loaded, man. It's, it's going to depend completely upon how these first three games go. But it is either way, even if we win all three of these first games by 40, it's still going to be like 
uh, fetal position praying for this game <laughs> because Oklahoma, no matter what, no matter what the circumstances are, Oklahoma is always good. It, Oklahoma is no slouch. There's never and in an off year, they are still elite. And that's that's the thing that I think is the most intimidating about this game. But the fact that we have this at home gives me a lot more confidence than I should have. Uh, <laughs> I think that I think the Bearcats could really come out swinging here. And I think there's a good chance that we could win that game, especially just having that at home. And what a statement like game that would be. And what a, what a nice opening this game would be with a win for the Big 12. Your first Big 12 game is going to be against pretty much the perennial champion for the past, you know, decade or so and change. Like this Oklahoma is a very good team. And I, th- I really think that there's an opportunity there for the Bearcats to win. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Uh, just in the, the hurry up offense style. Um, I'm going to say that this is going to be a close loss. This is going to be my trade off with you, Justin, for the pit game. Um, I, I do think we can play with them, but it's just like the talent disparity. And I, I think that, Dylan Gabriel is going to haunt me somehow, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna beat us. Uh, he didn't beat us in 2019, didn't beat us in 2020, but somehow he's gonna come back to beat us. So uh, I'm gonna say that's where we we drop off there. I don't see why Dylan Gabriel would be any different than he was before. Sure, guys get more talented, they get more experience, but come on, man, did Dylan Gabriel? I don't know. Eh. We'll figure it out. We'll see what happens. But where where let's track where we're at so far. So so far, I am I am sitting at four and oh, which is very hopefully oh, you rational. Pitt a win there. Uh, you gave uh, you you're taking a W against Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All no, right. I said that's what I said. I feel more confident rather than less confident against Pitt. And for that reason, I'm giving them a dub giving the Bearcats a W. But am I nervous about that game? Absolutely. Am I nervous about all of these games? Yes. It's if, if, if Luke Fickle was a head coach and everything, nothing had changed, nothing at all had changed. You would see me with the same schedule sitting up here talking about how awesome it's going to be to be in the college football playoff again. 13. That's what you'd see me talking about, but things change and there is going to be a lot of unknowns and if, and, but statements here. I think in this situation, it's a four. No, at worst, three and one, but there's no reason that you should be a 500 team going into BYU at Provo. So, okay. With that said, um, you are sitting at three and one, three and one, three and one. With that said, BYU, that is clear in a way. I think everybody has kind of mentioned this, like everybody just wants to go to one of the most beautiful venues in college football. This is, this has to be the road trip for the year. I think it'd be really exciting. BYU is just a, I don't know. They're a fun team to follow. Like it's, they're, they're always good. They're always quality. They last year had a loaded schedule. I don't know what their SOS was for the year, but if you looked at it like preseason with all the teams they had, they had a late one against Arkansas. They had so many, so many good teams in that schedule. I mean, I don't see why they couldn't come in here and compete right away. Um, as much as it is going to be a very loaded conference, I think BYU does have room to improve off of their, let's see they were eight and five last year. Um, I think this, I think this is going to be, this is going to be a good game personally. 
as much as I think that it would be nice for the Bearcats to win, I would think that would be a loss. You're going to go into a, a, a situation that you're not familiar with. You're going to play a team that you're really also not familiar with. And then on top of that, you're going to be playing in mountain air. It's a much different adjustment than most players are used to playing against. That's why BYU has such a like great environment for their home team, because it's just, it's conditioning. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's essentially like, let's run practice normally and then let's run some suicides up and down the court and then let's run practice that's what like playing in BYU is like just that mountain air is different and I think it's going to be between that and just a raucous environment there it's going to be tough I I feel much more confident about Pitt I not so much about Oklahoma but I feel much more confident about Pitt than I think I do about BYU personally and that might be backwards for some people but I think they only had a 73 last year BYU uh, for a strength of schedule. That's kind of crazy. They must really? have had a couple. They must have had a couple FCS FCS games or something. But hmm. I mean, Arkansas. You know, we know how they they turned out at the end of the year. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Like I said, look at at the beginning of the year versus the end. Yeah. They also had Oregon on there. They had another Pac-12 team. I don't remember which one it was. It's well, regardless. They played, uh, uh, Baylor last year. Baylor. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. played Baylor as well. When Baylor was a top 10 team. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, but then Baylor ended up like eight and four. So I do think this is going to be another loss for us, Justin. And the only reason for me is that I think BYU is a much tougher road environment uh, Mm -hmm. than it will be. And this will be the first time that Coach Satterfield will be going on a road environment. Obviously, he's had to go to Clemson before. He's had to go to some tough road environments in the ACC. But I, I don't know, man. It's just something about BYU on a Friday night, like, the only game, like probably that late at night, and that's going to be a late kickoff for Eastern Time people as well. It just seem, it just feels like you're walking into an L there. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I have all the respect in the world for our players, but BYU on a Friday night, it's a different animal. Literally, Cosmo <laughs> the Cougar, he's a different animal. So, Quite literally. Yeah, I, I'm going to say we dropped that one. I, I am. I'm going to ask you a quick question here, and I hope this isn't just a null and void easy answer, but would you rather beat Oklahoma at home or would you rather win on the road at BYU? Oklahoma, no question. Okay, gotcha. And it's got to be Oklahoma. I mean, like, that's a huge win. Like, I feel like many of our our biggest wins in program history have come at sites other than Cincinnati. Like obviously Notre Dame was at Notre Dame. Like right. what what's like the biggest win we've had at Nippert other than like the last two conference championship games that we've had there? Like is there another one that stands Probably out? Probably not you? since like Miami. Yeah. Yeah. The U but, Miami. <laughs> even then that was like a we went seven and five that year, you know, right like nationally, like like a you know, ranked win type of thing that wasn't really, you know, it's just it's probably been since like 2009 that we haven't had like a ranked big win at Nippert or something. And obviously I'm well, I don't know. I take maybe the UCF game. Would you would you count the UCF game in that as like a big big time game, big time yeah. win? Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's a in hindsight. You, you would think maybe maybe it feels a little bit of an over celebration, but in the time point in time in that like momentum turning point kind of game that what that set forth for the seasons to come after that, I it's got to be in there for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, and okay. so I, I would look at it yeah. that way. But yeah, I mean, the only reason I ask about the BYU thing is just because it is. 
I don't know. I don't know how much we put credit towards being able to play in difficult road environments on a season one with a new coach to the system and all this other stuff versus playing at home, you know, in those kind of situations. But then again, it's Oklahoma. Like, I, <laughs> and that's why I say like, I mean, it's, it's an easy question, but also like at the same time, I mean, it's, it's not something yeah. that I think you'd want to win both. You'd really would want to win both. And, and if, and if you can't have one, you have to have the other. But I would really hope that out of one of those two, you at least can find one win. I'm you not so hopeful, nice, but find one. You give Oklahoma a nice swat on the butt out the door, too. That'd be nice. That would be really nice. I think we'd all enjoy that. And we don't really have any animosity towards Oklahoma other than just the old, everybody hates Oklahoma. But <laughs> at the same time, it'd be nice to just bring down one of the big boys. Um, yep. With that said, uh, bye week. Do you think this? Do you think we win the bye week or do you think we lose the bye week? Uh, I'd say we win it. I mean, you know, not much competition there. Yeah. (laughs) Running against air. So, Hey, but, 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 uh, and of course there's sarcasm there, but in an actual question though, do you think in this kind of situation, say we win against BYU, do you think that this is the kind of situation where like, all right, is this conversation about the Bearcats going to be, we've got it. We've got a contender for the end of the year. Or do you think at that point in the season, it's going to be, this is a year one conversation. That's more of my question about the bye week Um, I mean, you know, like the, 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 the hardest two games on the schedule are probably Pitt and Oklahoma. And we'll see how Baylor and Oklahoma state turn out. We'll get to those later, but I do think like there will be some sense for optimism at like three and two, or if you're four and one after that start, that'd be so much optimism right there. That's and true. I, I think that'd be, I think that'd be huge for Scott to like, you know, at least start that way. And maybe I'm underestimating the level that we'll be entering in, but like, I, I do think like we're, we're going to be up against something next year against like Oklahoma. And we just got a lot more coming than we're used to in a conference mm-hmm. season. And I'm just trying to prepare myself by saying, <laughs> you know, we're not going to go, we're not going to win 10 games again. You know, we might not win yeah. nine games again. So, but like four and one at the break, I think there everyone would take that. Like no one's yeah. gonna complain that we're not five and zero. Oh. When if you compare the schedules of the last few years, like you know, I think I think well, last year we started four and one, and then you know year, years before that we were five and zero oh at the start. But like three, like four and one with this schedule, like I don't think you can turn that down. I this is this is another thing that we've kind of touched on already, but this is another part of the sort of refreshment list of it's going to feel nice to look at a team and, you know, a loss is going to suck, but the wins are going to feel that much better. And I think it's going to be much less of the, wow, shit, man, we won by 14 today. What's happening? Like what's going on and picking apart every little thing. It's going to be, Oh my God, we won by three. This is insane. Like, that, that should be how that feels every week. And I think that that kind of newness is going to be really, really nice and refreshing. Um, yep. when, when you've got teams like you're going to have through this first five, you hit the bye week and then you get Iowa State at home. Iowa State at home, that's going to be your second one on the list of the season for your home games. Iowa State's in a weird one. We did just take their offensive coordinator. Tom Manning, this is going to be an interesting situation. There's going to be some familiarity. 
Maybe he knows a little bit of the system, knows how to play against it. I think this is a favorable situation, but I'm going to, I'm going to let you start with this one. How do you think the Bearcats would do against Iowa state? Uh, to me, this is just a classic like Nippert stadium day game win. Like I don't really see it as anything else other than that. Iowa state is coming off a rough year where they lost, I think five, one score games in, in conference. Mm-hmm. And they were in a lot of games until they just weren't able to produce anything on offense. And, that like they, I do think that we are, we have a better offense than them. Just some of parts against some of parts. Now we'll see how Manning does against his old squad. We'll see what Matt can how Matt Campbell feels about Cincinnati after being rumored to take the job, like the last three times yeah. it's been open, <laughs> you know? So um, I, I'm interested to see how that works out, but I do think that Cincinnati can pull this one out. Uh, I think, I think since like I think the Bearcats are probably better right now on paper than Iowa State. Probably don't come at me, Cyclone Larry. I said probably, <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I, I I this just feels like you know you got them at your place. You should be able to take care of business. Yeah. Um. Not to not to kick the Iowa State fans while they're down because there's a whole lot down for them right now. Uh, Trust me, we've been there. We know how it feels, Um, especially with uh, giving up massive leads. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of excitement, I think, to play Iowa State here. It's again, I think this is going to be, maybe, maybe it'll grow to be in a similar way to West Virginia where it's not going to be a close location game, but it will be the second closest location game distance wise for all of the big 12 like this is going to be yep. our next closest competition um mm-hmm. so i i mean i don't know i i look at this game personally i'm on the same side as you i think this is a win on paper is that how it turns out i don't know i think i think i look at a lot of the iowa state stat sheet of last year like you said those end scores where it's a one-point game, a three-point game, a one-point, two-point, three-point, one-point, over and over and over again, it's these so, so close games. That makes me feel a little bit more iffy on it just because a team like that I don't think does that two years in a row. <laughs> Sorry, Nebraska. But I think this is one of those situations where the Bearcats come out on top. I Like you said, I mean, I think it does become a – day game kind of win. I, I don't see why this would end up being a nip and night situation. I would love it, love for it to be. And actually one of my coworkers is from Iowa state. I'm trying to convince him to take the road trip uh, because it's, we've, we've talked about it, you know, all the time. It's like, all right, Bearcats and Iowa state, they have to play in the first year. It's for sure going to happen. Where's it going to be? I think I can convince them this time. But um, like I said, I, I don't see why this shouldn't be a win. I, it's not a, it's not a can it, it's more of a, it's, it's, it should be because I think that is a point where it really just depends on how the season's going. If, if you've got wins over a team like Oklahoma or BYU, you should beat Iowa state. If you take two L's to both of those teams, eh, you might not beat Iowa state and it might be rough. You, <laughs> you might be looking at a 500 record after Iowa state, but all's well that ends well. We'll see what happens there. Baylor at home following Iowa State. That one, again, I think comes down to perception. Where's the program currently at? Baylor's going through a little bit of change as well. Um, 
I think same conversation as Iowa State, though. <laughs> At the end of the day, I think it's an on paper, you know, it, it comes down to it. We should be able to compete in that game. But again, it's, it's, I hate this because every, there's no like confidence that I have in, in any of these games. It's like a, yeah, we should, but. Uh, we probably won't like it, you know, it, it, that's, that's how I think all of this feels. And the hardest thing to know is like, is what that competition is going to really be like, because we're scaling up our competition, but then there's always that sort of, okay, but how much are you scaling up your competition? We know that the big 12 is better than the AAC. We know that all these conferences are better than the AAC. We know that all of these teams in these conferences comparatively should be better than all of these teams that we've played in the AAC. But when it comes to actually playing them, is it going to turn out that way? That's kind of what I was saying earlier. I, I don't really know. Is there going to be that much of a disparity? It's going to be a much harder. Yes. But should we, should we just be cleared away, cut out of the conversation? I think I think we're in every single one of these games personally, and I think yeah. Baylor, you should be able to mark down as a W. Um, I'm going to go opposite of you. I, I I think Baylor will find a way to get the dub. Um, in in historic, did you, did you like how they said that by the way on the graphic today? Yes. Historic Nippert Stadium, and like I I do like how they're positioning that, but uh, I do think that Baylor will be able to take take one from us. Um, I just think that. I have such great respect for Dave Aranda as a coach. And I, I think, you know, them, they were, they're, like you said, they're two years removed from winning a big 12 title. And they, they kind of just, they had a weird year last year where they like, they said, okay, yeah, Gary Bohannon, you want us to conference last year, but uh, kick rocks guy. We right. got this young <laughs> freshman. So, um, and they played well, like in, they were right there at the end with TCU. they, played well for a half against Oklahoma state before Oklahoma state took care of that. Um, I think they played well against Texas. Um, but you know, it's just, it's one of those teams where we see them and their record last year, but I kind of think they're probably better than us. So I I'm, I'm going to say we unfortunately take another L there. So right now I'm at four and three. Fair enough. I am at a very zealous and overconfident, uh, five and two correct yeah six and one six and one yikes (laughs) now that we're getting there that sounds a little scary um especially considering the end end of season slate you know you can't change it now uh, i can't change it now but man there's got to be something there i feel like i'm getting a little too far in here uh okay well we'll go straight to oklahoma state that's definitely going to be a loss i am not confident about that game at all if there's one that i'm scared of it's a road environment against a team that has been pretty damn consistent and is always in the end of your conversation if you look at iowa state baylor and oklahoma state and you make all three of them a road game i'm still going to be terrified of oklahoma state much more than i would be of the other two and for that reason also, then just being the road game, that is a considered L on my side. It's interesting you say that just because like I, I've started following recently some Oklahoma State accounts who are talking about, you know, just how um, they've lost a lot of guys in the transfer portal. They lost some coaches. And it seems like that program is in a little bit of disarray right now. So I'm kind of on the other way is that, you know, it's going to be 
like I, I don't know when their bye week is, but it's going to be week nine, and you're going to be wondering like where they're at right now. You'd hope that UC is still motivated through nine weeks, even though they're in a tougher conference. They've got a new coach and maybe some different guys playing, and maybe they they are able to keep that motivation through the year. And I'm not saying that Oklahoma State is going to quit on Mike Gundy, but man, they are a weird team at like in the second half of the year last year. Like, do you remember that game where they lost like 48 nothing to Kansas State? I do like, remember I, that game. <laughs> we know what Kansas State turned out to, but like that was just such a weird game. And then like they said, they had nothing prepared, which was weird as well. And then they lost uh, Spencer Sanders to uh, Ole Miss. So, and they're going to have a new quarterback. That's something I didn't bring up earlier, by the way, Justin, is that the quarterback is really going to define like what UC is able to do this year. If Emory Jones like, you know, is stepping in and is able to like be his Florida self and maybe not his Arizona state self that, that changes like the expectation here, by the way. So true. forgot to bring that up earlier, but that's a very, it is Emory point. Jones and he's able to, you know, run the Scott Satterfield offense and run it well. I do think there's a chance we could be better than I'm expecting. And, you know, they, I, not to make it all about the quarterback, but, you know, we, we do have like a, a good def- defense coming back next year. We've got a good defensive line. Um, offensive line is going to be interesting though. So if we can't block for our quarterback, then that might be tough. Um, and I don't know how good we are going to be at throwing the ball because we've got all new receivers. So again, that might be tough, um, you know, and running the ball is against again like with an offensive line that is questionable maybe the offense might not be that great am i talking myself out of this yes but (laughs) i do believe that like i don't know man like the the vibes are good right now around the the program and just the guys we've been able to bring in maybe some more guys come at the end of the spring uh spring transfer portal i i do think uh, Scott can go in there and win this game because there just seems to be a lot of disarray around Oklahoma state right now. And I, I get it. Oklahoma state is like going to be one of the top programs in this league once Oklahoma and uh, Texas leave, but I don't know. There's just something weird in, in the still water, you know, right now. So do you like that one? But yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm going to say that uh, Bearcats pull out a win there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Moving on to UCF at home. Um, is there a reason we shouldn't believe that we should win this game? Give it to me now. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, John Rice Plumley is going to be UCF starter again this year after they ran off Mikey Keene. If it was Mikey Keene and he pulled out what he did against us this year, I'd be like, okay, yeah, no, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're taking, <laughs> taking an L, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm really interested to see obviously what the Bearcats look like in year one, but, I'm really interested to see what UCF looks like in year one, um, like in, in the big 12, just because like, you know, they, they, they were definitely good last year and they obviously made the conference championship game, but there was just another level there that they never really reached. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like losing to Navy, uh, I forget the other game they lost, but they lost another bad one. Like it, it's just like not the UCF of old, and, you know, and like losing the conference championship game, although it was to Tulane who was proven to be good that it's just something weird about UCF that we're not used to. So I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll say we'll take, we'll get the dub at home, but it's it just, there's a weird vibe around UCF. So I'm looking to see what they do this year. So yeah. right now I'm at six and three and you're at seven and two. Yeah. Seven and two. Um, okay. This is one of those ones where 
I feel like we're, I feel like we're on opposites on every single one of these. This is kind of rare, but uh, I'm thinking that that one is going to be one where the Bearcats stumble personally. Um, Seeing what they were able to materialize this year um, and building off of that. I think they're in a bit of a position that they should be able to figure it out. Like, I I mean, I, I don't obviously don't want them to, and do I really think in my heart that they would beat the Bearcats in my heart? No. But when I get overthinking about it, I, I feel like there's a situation here where the Bearcats find a way to struggle with UCF. And maybe it's just because, you know, it, it's the games that you expect the Bearcats to win that they don't. And it's, or that they, that you expect them to lose and they find a way to pull it out. And it's the games that you expect them to win where it's close or they lose and they shouldn't. Um, this is kind of one of those. And again, with just, I we're saying this on every single one of these, but with so much just unknowns in the air, um, I think UCF does not go through as much change as we do going into this year. Um, I think they're in a bit of a position where they had their year one last year and we're getting the fresh slate now. And yeah. so for a familiar rival, I think in that mind, it kind of makes me a bit more concerned. I would love to be able to talk myself into like easy W. I don't think it is. I think this is just, when you look at the rest of the schedule, you would hope this would be just a W like that, but I think it's another toss up game. I mean, I would, I think we should go back through the schedule and just see which ones of these are toss up games, because I feel like everything except for EKU Pitt, in Miami, based on our conversation is a toss up game. Uh, and that's about how that schedule should be. Uh, I'd say the uh, the only non toss up is West Virginia uh, because but like like I said earlier, Bill Connolly said like the Bearcats have seven and a half toss up games on their conference schedule this year. So yeah, um, I guess Oklahoma would be the other one he thinks is not that close, which I would probably agree with just because of the talent disparity. So, um, but but yeah, so I, I say they win, you say they lose. We're both at six and three now, right? Yep. Six okay. and three. All right. Six Interesting. And three the season. Funny how we worked our way back there. Yeah. <laughs> What's next, Justin? At Houston. This is one where I, I what why? Why would we not win that? I'm sorry. There's nothing about Houston's pro- Houston gets talked up so much every single year for and a reason unbeknownst to me. Maybe it was their what, like the 2015 or 16 season, whatever year they went to like, you know, a top five team or wherever they were at. And they've, for some reason, got the benefit of doubt. And even when they're really not good, have been given the benefit of doubt to sound good. And they're just not. I mean, I, and, and on top of that, you're going to have all of this. I think at this point, Houston is going to be in full scary hours mode. And they're going to be tired by this point in the season because they seriously, I'm, I'm going to look this up right now. I want to read off their schedule. But it is looks to be the they hardest strength of schedule. Road, yeah, it, they've got UTSA and Rice. Oh boy, it's getting hard fast. <laughs> Which of course, obviously, those are easy. But TCU, Sam Houston, and then you have at Texas Tech, West Virginia, Texas, Kansas State, Baylor, Cincinnati, Oklahoma State, UCF. They've got they they've been bested by most of their familiars in this situation. And then they're going to have to go in and play at Kansas State. They're going to have to play at Baylor. And they're going to have to play at Texas Tech. And they're going to have to play TCU earlier in that season. 
I don't see why they're in this situation that they're any like that they're 500. And if you're not 500 and then you have to go on the road again and play Cincinnati, I don't see why you're just not gassed at that point. We're going there. Or sorry, sorry, yeah, that's what that's what I meant. But but you're right, you're right. Regardless, yeah, like last I don't see why you're not tired. Yeah, last year their season ended in a tire fire more than UC's. Like I mean, yeah, like they they went they finished it like eight and five, but you know with a bowl game win. But you know they they lost to Tulsa at the end of the year at home. Like it just it it really seemed like it fell apart for them after that uh, Tulane overtime game. Tulane went yeah. up and Houston went down. So I'm I'm interested to see how Dana pulls it back up. Other than his 2021, man, like I don't, I don't really see like the the proof of concept for Dana at Houston, and like I just, I don't know. I like, I think they've been good enough, and obviously they ran into a juggernaut that year when they played us, but uh, you know they they were really good that year. But last year, like they were supposed to be a lot better than they ended up being, and I don't know, man. It's just like like the 2019 year was also weird for them. 2020, I don't really know what they did. Um, yeah, 2021 was their big year, but last year like was a, a tire fire of epic proportions. And I, I think if they if they win all those early games, that's then they're going to be like you know, a complete different animal, and they're going right. to be fully operational, like talking crap mode. But I, I think you're right. I think they're going to be like 500 or worse, and there's going to be about 15,000 people in the stands or less. <laughs> they're going to be or ready less. for basketball season coming up. Mm-hmm. where there'll be less than 5,000 people. In the I'm not convinced Houston has fans. Justin, you know? Dude. Maybe, maybe some of our new friends can tell me that they do. I'm just not convinced. Yeah. It's, I think Houston's just one of those situations. It's, it's like any New York school. I mean, and, and there's even New York schools figure out a way, but granted there's a shit ton more people. They're just a big pro market. And I think that when you have a big pro market like that, you just don't have as hard of a following in collegiate sports as you do even though they have through time especially especially in basketball been very successful like i said this with with the way that their program has kind of revolved over the past few years and especially with the end of last year and looking at what they've got going into this game i think they're just going to be beat up personally and i think it's just going to be tough and i think I think things should be rock steady for the Bearcats by then and there. And if you if you have some losses here or there, yeah, it sucks. But I think you should beat at Kansas or at Houston. Like that's that's of all of these games in that stretch of the middle of the season where you got the Oklahoma BYU, all the Big Twelve regulars. I I don't question that one personally, and I'll probably get clipped at some point for that. Somebody's just. Ah, bookmark but uh you know it, it's one of those situations where it just doesn't seem like it should be a big deal um kansas final game of the season rivalry week again bearcats biggest rival skip in west virginia oh my god oh it's not in the notes shoot hold on oh i'm sorry there you go no, that, no I, I should have seen that too i thought it was short i was like what are we missing here at west virginia there we go going going out to the mountains here to play West Virginia. Uh, I'm going to keep it short and sweet, Justin. They're not going to be playing country roads after this game. Neil Brown might not even be the coach by then. So uh, I'm going to say that the Bearcats pulled this one out. West Virginia is just, it's unfortunate because we want that rivalry back, but I, I just don't think they're there this year. 
I like what you have to say. Uh, personally, I think it's going to be closer than we want it to, but I do think that that is going to be a win, personally. I, it's, yep. it's, it's a game where you, again, is it going to be a clear-cut win? No. Should you win it? Yeah, probably. Uh, so that's the situation there. That puts us at eight and three eight and now. Three. Going yep. into Kansas, have we just, we'll see how this conversation goes with this last one. We're at a point where we're now talking ourselves into a nine and three season for the Bearcats in the Big 12. <laughs> there is a chance just, for nine and three or eight and four season. And I don't know, I don't man. Know. Kansas is, is Kansas going to be able to make the magic happen again? I, I, I really like Lance Leipold. Um, so I, I'm going to chalk this up as a loss for um, UC right now. And just because I, I respect Kansas's coach, I respect like how he's been able to turn around that program. And like, I, it's not that like, you know, I, I think there's just, they're built to win some of those games like that. And obviously once Jalen Daniels went down last year, then they, they kind of, their season kind of tanked, unfortunately with that, but you know, like they were winning. It wasn't like they were winning like some blowouts in like their five game win streak early in the yeah. season. They won a few close games. Like they won like Iowa state. We mentioned like they won by like two points. They beat um, Duke by like maybe a touchdown. You know, they, it, it was some close games there to start the season. They beat West Virginia on a walk off uh, on the uh, on the James Wiggins uh, pick six, but yeah. from their their uh, version of Kobe Bryant, uh, Jacoby Bryant. So, um, you know, they 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 were close, but they were able to pull out some of those games. And I like when you're able to pull out some good some of those close games. That's coaching. And mm-hmm. I I don't know I maybe I'm just chalking us up at eight and four because I think, I think that's a, like, it, that's a realistic ceiling eight and four. Um, but I don't know. I just have a lot of respect for Lance Leipold. So I'm going to say the, that Kansas comes in and beats us. I personally, as much as I would love to disagree with you and put that as a win, I think I'm going to sit my season at eight and four as well. Um, and nine and three would sound great. But uh, even if we're doing some quick evaluation here to try to square things back in uh, to a more realistic thing at eight and four, I still think when you look at a eight and three schedule and then playing Kansas, like you said, Kansas managed to figure it out against all expectations. Now, do you face a sophomore slump? I think there is a realistic possibility for that. But I think it's more realistic that they probably build upon that. And I think that they take that and run with it a little bit. And I, I, the way that Kansas played last year gives me no reason to think that they're not going to continue to be the offensive juggernaut that they were like, they were scoring points. Like, and that's, that's the thing that if we look at the Bearcats, like even if you figure out your offense better than we had it figured out this year, which theoretically the odds should be lower that you're going to figure it out better than we did this year you're still going to have to score points. And I don't see how a team like Kansas just gets shut down offensively. And that I think in my mind scares me enough to the point yeah. that I would not say that Kansas, you know, would be walking out of there with, they also loss. beat the crap out of, out of Houston at Houston last year too. Yeah. So like, I mean, if you think like UC is maybe a little bit better than Houston, then what is fully operational Kansas? I don't think we've ever seen it. What is fully That's operational true. Kansas? So Kansas, I mean, um, 
Kansas is legit. And I think this is a thing where, you know, you look at this whole season now, I'm really curious to see if, if any of the new uh, big 12 followers are listening to this and you've listened your way through all of this. I'm really curious what to see what you guys have to say about what we've said about your team, but also if you think that our perception of what we think will compete in the big 12 is correct. Like, I mean, it's, this is a thing where it's a lot of just, like we said, unknowns, like you could say, ah, Kansas looks like it should be pretty tough. You could, you never know. You could walk in there and you could beat the shit out of Kansas. Kansas could go right back to the gutter where they've been for a long time, or Kansas could be pretty good. So it's, it's just so hard to know. And I think yeah. this is at, at this point puts us, like we said, puts both of us at eight and four. Uh, somehow we've taken all of this and managed to come back center into a point of agreement here uh, where the Bearcats uh, finish out the season eight and four and then have their bowl game, whatever that would be. Um, I don't think that you really look at, I think it's, I don't even know. It's hard. I don't even know what all the big 12 bowls would be. Uh, it's hard to know. Uh, now. Probably could be considered for the Liberty bowl. So that, that's exciting. Um, personally, uh, they could also be considered for the guaranteed rate bowl at chase field in a beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, which, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> someone on this podcast would enjoy um there's also the alamo bowl but that's like a you got to be a good team to be in that and then there's also the sugar and um then tcu was in the fiesta this year but right uh, you know even a step up from the fenway bowl so um, anything is um, a step up from the fenway bowl <laughs> hey even oklahoma went to like the the cheese it was it the citrus was that the citrus bowl or just the cheese it bowl i think it was the cheese it bowl I don't think okay. It was. was it the citrus? Bowl? It was, I don't. I don't. It might not have been a cit- the citrus bowl. Um, I don't remember. But uh, but yeah, I mean, still, that's that's like a pretty big step up, you know. And like that was that was a great game between Oklahoma and Florida State. So you know, that's just a couple of those Big Twelve games. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, this is where this puts us now. Bearcats eight and four, maybe nine and four, maybe eight and five, depending on how all things go. But we'll probably be humbled and we'll be like five and whatever at the end of the season, it's going to be painful and we won't be bowl eligible. Uh, Hopefully that is not the case. Hopefully the Bearcats, I I think, I think if there's a realistic goal for this season, be bowl eligible. I think that's, I think that's fair. I think you should at least be bowl eligible. No. And that, that, that doesn't matter who you went to. Doesn't matter who you lose to. As long as you beat Miami and EKU, anything else is up for grabs i couldn't get less as long as you beat those two and i just would i just want to keep kicking miami in the head every single year that's that's my only goal to walk yep. away from there and we'll figure else out what else happens but um shouldn't be an issue with that said last point on football before we get to uh bearcats basketball and the hard conversation uh that is to come which everybody has probably already been having this week um, they had to play us, um, TQL. How do you feel about it? We can make it short and sweet. How do you feel about uh, TQL being plastered all over the Nippert stadium? I mean, as, as long as the stadium name didn't change, I guess I'm in the end, I'm okay with it, but I don't know. It was just like something cool that like, we didn't, we were one of the teams that didn't have the, the, the name on there, but you know, it's the way things are going, unfortunately. So yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh, well. like you said, 
come get your Big 12 money. This is just another one of those things where the here comes take, the money. Cha-ching. Take the checks where you can money get talks. it, I guess. I mean, if if Shano this... Mac walking down the <laughs> runway with the <laughs> If this if this helps with recruiting and this helps with the NIL collective or something to fund the program to make sure that we compete at a high level, you, I you will you can tattoo TQL on me as long as also, the Bearcats are winning. Like unless TQL wants to become a sponsor, um, I don't know if I have the best view of them as a company. If they want to become a sponsor, then my views will change right <laughs> away. So yeah, hey, um, you TQL, if you want to sponsor the Viva La Cats podcast. We're big fans, huge fans. We, we heard you're sponsoring sports entities recently. Yeah, so come on, Cincinnati out. sports help entities help help some local guys out. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, those are the thoughts on TQL. Uh, historic Nippert Stadium shall remain just that. Historic Nippert Stadium. I like how they're actually adding the historic part. So. Yes, <laughs> it's funny. Okay, Bearcats basketball. Um. Well, it was fun while it lasted. Uh, <laughs> Bearcats managed to come up very, very close, but still short against Houston. Once again, does that make what? What are we? What is the streak now? Is that eight? Eight. Eight straight. That's man. That's really freaking rough. Uh, yeah, Bearcats lose to Houston. Um, more of the same. Thankfully. According to Steve's calculations, if you listen to last week, we disagreed a bit on this, but I'm going to ride the train for this one. Progress. Progress is the name of the game. The Bearcats lost by less than 13. So the train is moving in the correct direction. Uh, and it was on the road. And it was a more raucous and more full environment than Houston typically has. So I'll give them that. But uh, still, not optimal. And um Wes Miller, love you to death, man. I you got my full support. But now Wes Miller is one in twelve in Q1 games. Got to figure out a way to win one of these. It, it's you're 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 far enough in. There's there's enough of the pieces that are there and enough things that are right. I I don't think this is a game that you can blame on refs. Don't think this is a game that you can just explain away. I think the Bearcats just got beat. And the Bearcats, unfortunately, crumbled down the stretch. I think some people would maybe be a little bit bothered by that statement of saying the Bearcats crumbled down the stretch versus the fact that they came out swinging real hard and made it look like they might just mop the floor with Houston for a little bit. But Houston does what Houston does, and they figured out a way to just play hardball and fight back. I believe it was like a 28-9 to or some kind of run um, in the end of the game that Houston closed it out on and ended up winning on. Um, But unfortunately I still view it that way. I think the Bearcats did crumble down the stretch, very good game, lots of progress made in that game, but we crumbled down the stretch again. You found a way to be offensive. You found a way to come out with a great performance and just couldn't do it in two halves again. Yep, yep, and it just seemed to go that way this year for the Bearcats. And I do think that you know we've we've been able to to, to see when this team shoots well, they are very competitive. Justin, we we were doing some excels before the before we started, and I'll bring it up right here again. Eight and zero when the Bearcats shoot forty seven, uh, forty eight 
percent or better from the field. And you know, then in this game, they were they they, they shot well. They were at forty four percent. You know, but they just started off incredibly hot, and they just cooled off in the second half. And Houston eventually made their run. Uh, Jarris Walker, I'm glad that he's not going to play another year because he's going to be like a top five pick. That kid is good, <laughs> dude. Yeah. And it's just it's unfortunate that you know that some of these guys have are going to from the from UC are going to leave without ever having beaten Houston because it's just funny how you know for a while there we were really like even though they were very competitive with us we were still beating them like five times out of six like with they yeah. once they started to get better we were still beating them and then uh it all kind of fell off after 2020 so <laughs> or during 2020 but yeah. um I I do think though that this was like a game where you can see progress within like the system and obviously the make shots offense it helps when you decide to make shots. you got to sound more excited about it steve progress progress (laughs) progress Uh, the make shots offense so um you know i i I do think this was something to be excited about and held held a lead like until like eight or six minutes to go against like a top five team at their building that's pretty good i like you they can't say anything more than that. And yeah. obviously if we hadn't shot so well, maybe Houston would have been able to just run them out. But I, I said it last week, the, if, if we can keep it under 13, that's an improvement in my eyes. And what do we do, Justin? Kept it held at the six. That's a, that's an improvement to me. So now does that mean for all future games against Houston, you have to keep it under six? Is that the new mark? <laughs> uh, well, is that I still mean, progress? <laughs> you'd like to maybe win a couple of them, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I do think like keeping it within 10 and stuff. And it, it wasn't like the Bearcats in this game made just like a late cover play. They were they were leading like the whole way. And, you know, they were up by 10 and 13 at different points of the first half as well. Mm-hmm. And in the second half, and obviously the shots started to dry up and Houston made their run, like I said. But I, I do think you can't see take anything from this other than just this was a good result. And like, you know, obviously there's yeah. no moral victories. Bearcats are 14 and eight, whatever tournament chances they had before the game are probably slipping away with another loss, but I, it's something where I see, okay, like we were not completely outplayed. We were in the game. We had leads in the game. We, we just got to be able to finish at the end and play a full game. And, you know, it, I think, Justin, what, what do you think? Like, you know, obviously next year we, we talked about this last week. Like if, if, is the talent not there or is the coaching not there? Well, yeah. like, I, I think we were right there with them. And I I'd say this is probably not going to be Wes Miller's best team in his time here. Hopefully he'll have better guys than this, but you know, he was able to like, obviously he looks like a genius because the shots were falling, but <laughs> right. you know, if like he, if Landers Nolly, like, you know, if maybe you get someone just as good or better as Landers Nolly in the future, but that, that type of talent, like he was able to get them that far. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen coaches squander talent before, <laughs> John Brandon. Um, but, you know, like, I, I do think there's something too that Wes was in this game. It was his birthday, a 40th birthday, yeah. um, but he, he was able to keep it this close. And, he's still a good coach, you know, and like Kelvin Sampson just got the better dudes. Kelvin Sampson's a great coach as well. They just got the, the better dudes. And I think, but I, as a UC fan, I don't see how you can't be anything other than like 
not accepting a loss, but you're like, okay, yeah, we played well. Like we were, we were there yeah. in that game and it's not complete apathy after another Houston loss. That's true. And I think that is kind of my angle on this as much as I would have loved to see the win. And I think it is very crucial to figure that out. You have to find a way to figure out how to win in those games. Do I think that we would have won that game if Landers did not go down at the point that he went down? There's a legit conversation there that the Bearcats could have found a way to pull that one out. But again, I mean, I still benchmark Temple in all this. Like it's, <laughs> I, I, I just, I, they're an anomaly to me. And I, again, just don't see why that shouldn't be us. And that shouldn't be us in that conversation. And we should be the team that is competing with Houston game and game and trading games with Houston and not getting absolutely, you know, blown to bits. Thankfully this one was kept close, but again, like you said, I mean, with, with all of the past efforts and then you compare it to this one, I think the Bearcats are in a good position. It's, it's, it, it feels much better than the loss before where Houston won 72 to 59. But I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, we're at a point in the season now where your remaining stretch now is Tulsa, UCF, Tulane, South Florida, East Carolina, UCF, Temple, Memphis, SMU. A lot of that sounds very winnable. And I think this is the point where it's like, all right, if you win that Houston game, you've got a legit conversation. Win out, win, win a good amount of the rest of your games. And you've got your, I don't even know if you're necessarily uh, too much of a bubble team anymore. I think that you've, you close out on a very strong run. I think without that Houston game, to your credit, I think you you kiss the bubble goodbye. And I think that the shot that we would have had, I think, left with that game too, unfortunately. Um, and and then and then you take all of that and then you put the rational mind to thought, are the Bearcats going to close out on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine game winning streak and then go to the conference tournament? No, we're going to find a way to lose in there. And so this is, again, one of those, and, and it's probably going to be Temple, and I'm going to be pissed about that one. Uh, and it's probably going to be Memphis, too, which I will accept. And UCF, which they're good enough that I'll probably accept that, too. But, again, like, the Bearcats are not going to close the season out on a 9-0 run and smite me now if I am incorrect and I got to start praying or something because that <laughs> that would be great if we could finish out on a 9-0 run. But it's it's not there, and I think this season is, again, just going to be unfortunately chalked up to another getting there season. Um, yeah. And it's, it sucks to say that I think with what we've got, but like we said, and you mentioned this last week too, the NIT, if, if we're too good to play in it and that's not our thing and we're just going to pretend like we're better than that, but we can't compete enough to play in a better tournament than that you've got to vie for something at the end of the season here. Maybe you make a run in the conference championship. Maybe a temple knocks out a Houston and maybe we beat a or a temple or something, you know, more interesting like that happens, but I don't see how you go through this and then go to the conference championship or go to the conference tournament and don't find another way to lose there too. And then your season's over again. And it's, it's unfortunate, but this is where I am. And I, like I said, I'm not apathetic. I think I'm more accepting at this point, but it's still like, 
you've got to, you've got to figure out a way to like win these games at the end of the season and just try to leave your season on a higher note. But your yep. aspirations and your goals to get back to the tournament, I think, are evaporated now. I think I don't I don't I think the daylight has closed on that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's fair. But you know, the 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 goal for me this year, and I, I feel like I've told you this, is just that have a better record than last year. Like that's a pretty easy one to say, you know, like just okay. We weren't that great in year one under West, but you know, we, we got better from a record standpoint in year two, like you got five Q3 and Q4 games coming up. I, I do think that they can really make some, make some noise in those games. And then <laughs> asking for a split in four Q1 and Q2 games, especially with uh, West's current record. What's that against uh, Q1 teams, Justin, as a <sighs> Cincinnati Bearcat coach? One in 12. One in twelve. Well, I, I don't say it too loud, <laughs> you know. But um, one in twelve. Uh, you know, you, you got two home games coming up this week, Justin. You got uh, as you're listening tonight against Tulsa, uh, a Q4 team. Bearcats are favored by 16 points according to bracketologists. So don't believe that. <laughs> yes, don't believe that. Do not believe Tulsa. that. Take the but, under there. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, you know, there there's one. Uh, UCF at home if you can get that one like I think you, you get people feeling a little bit better and like yeah. you know at Tulane Ron Hunter so that might be a loss but <laughs> but yeah yeah like like I said you end out with like you said South Florida East Carolina UCF Temple Memphis uh, SMU I think you can get six there six out of nine uh, yeah that'd be nice uh, <laughs> but if you could get seven there and uh, the, the number they have to beat is they have to get four wins to beat their regular season record of 17 and 14 last year. So mm-hmm. like there's, you know, there, there's, there's, if you want to just keep it really granular and just say, be better than last year, 18 wins gets you to be better than last year in the regular season. And I, I think mm-hmm. they're, they're almost there last year, the Bearcats lost their last five regular season games. So hopefully that doesn't happen again, but um I do think they have a chance to at least make up some, like say that you were better in year two. And I guess if we're not going to play in the NIT, like you said, make some noise in the conference tournament, maybe get back to the conference championship game in your last year in the American. Uh, It would be very funny if it was a Houston Cincinnati conference championship game. I think we're all kind of hoping for a Cincinnati UCF conference championship game in like the, in the football conference championship, right? Just because it would be funny that okay, uh, we're taking this trophy and we're taking it with us. Yeah. The next <laughs> so same with because uh, Houston's likely going to win that third game, but hey, right. if you keep it closer than six, you're within winning range right there. So, right. At, Eternal optimist Steve has come back uh, from when we were at the brinks of uh, low optimism, but uh, just a net update. While I'm on bracketologist, we did play. The last two games against the number 41 net team in Memphis and then the number one net team in Houston. But our net has only gone up where net is at 78 right now. And you have to be in about the 50s range to be considered as an at-large for the tournament. Uh, Ken Palm at 64 too, which I think is good. Um, and, I, I, you know, you got a couple chances to, like like I said, keep improving that 0-5 and 1-2, and and, uh, 1-7 number against Squadron 2 teams. Not great. But um, if you can just keep improving, like in that one quadrant one win is against Wichita, which to me, like, I don't know how they're a quad two team. Like, I don't think they're very good, but uh, they're, 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 no, I'm sorry. They're right on the cutoff line for 
uh, oh, like an away team being qualified for a quad oh, two. They're yeah. net 130 and the cutoff is 135. So that might be a quad three when in a couple of weeks if Wichita keeps playing the way they are. But I think from just a, a granular standpoint, progress. Win four more games this year. You can say you were better than you were last year and maybe make something happen in the conference tournament. Yeah. I mean, in, in a way, I, in a way I agree with that. I think my sticking point still for me, if you, if you talked to any of us, you know, going into this season after what we watched last year, the goal was still the tournament and the goal will always be the tournament. You don't have to go and win a bunch. We've already accepted that we don't do that very often anymore. Um, but <laughs> you would hope so. But regardless, that, that should be your goal, especially in the American. And I think, you know, just it, it's it is it is progress. You you got screwed. Let's let's be honest and like take the take the big picture here. Over the past few years, the Bearcats have been screwed when it comes to basketball. It, it's it's a situation where your recruits are running out the door. You've got guys coming and going constantly. You've got coaching change and coaching change, coaching change. It's, it's this situation where the Bearcats are just not at a, all right, you've had enough time yet. And, and we're still in that limbering stage where we're figuring it out. Our legs are still growing. We're, we're learning how to run again. We're still in the walking stage. We're not quite getting back to that. And I think it's going to take a while. And it's like I said, I think, like I said, I'm content as it is now. It's just have to accept it is what it is as it is. But looking at the Big 12 next year, you have a much better chance of getting into the tournament. But at the same rate, it is going to be much harder to get into the tournament. You look at a team like Texas Tech. What are they in conference play? Like 0-10? Have they found one yet? I know they, they just they beat did us. win. Oh, Iowa last State. Night. I forgot about that. I just talked about that earlier. They beat Iowa State in a huge comeback, number 16. So they figured it out. And somehow they might manage to be a bubble team in that. I really doubt it, but regardless, like this, this high competition that you get night in, night out, you have a better shot of making the tournament, but you have to win games. And if I look at a team like Texas Tech with a lot of the pieces that are there and figuring that out, it might be a little bit of a rocky ride. And I'm wondering, too, my my devil's advocate for the strength of the Big 12, devil's advocate says, how much are they going to start to muddy down that conversation when you add Cincinnati, BYU, and UCF? Houston? No question about it. That's going to strengthen the conference. But I'm wondering if there's going to be any change of dialogue with the new teams added. I'm I'm curious what well, you have to think. What you think? You, about you that. get ready. You get rid of Oklahoma, who's a uh, kind of on the rear right now, and then you get rid of Texas, who is a. Uh, uh, they, they're a good basketball program for sure, but that's not their number one priority in Texas. Basketball is still a priority to Cincinnati and Houston and BYU men, they care about basketball. Like, have you ever seen their basketball stadium? Like you ever seen like their student section, they got Mm -hmm. like the wacky waving inflatable uh, arm two men, like in the background there, those three. (laughs) And then, you know, UCF when they, when they want to care, (laughs) 
I, I do think it'll be about the same. Obviously, you're going to have one team that probably gets beat up on a lot more, but it's probably better for the league, too, to have, like, one team to beat up on. But, like, and who knows? Like, you know, you're not going to have all these teams be in, like, the top 50 of the Ken Palm every year. Like, there's going to be right. some years where just guys get hurt or people are down. Like, teams are down, teams are up. It's just, you know, that's just how, like, how it goes. But I do think it'll stay the same. Um, I don't know how it could improve, but when you got Kansas, when you got Baylor, TCU is just another added sprinkle on, mm-hmm. on the top. And like K State year one under Jerome Tang and just being awesome. Like I, I I like a lot of what's going on in the Big 12. And you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough step. I mean, even Iowa State year two under like a new coach, it's gonna be a tough step up step up for the Bearcats. But you know, I I just Wes Miller, he he as you know, as, as different as his time has been here so far, and maybe it's been a little underwhelming and maybe he hasn't got that signature win. I still believe in his opportunity. And you know why? It circles back to my point from earlier about football. The man can recruit. Recruiting. <laughs> or uh, drop the bag. He can recruit, <laughs> you know. So uh, the bag, it, we've never had a player like Rayvon Griffith or, you know, Jizzle James. Shout out to Jizzle James, man. He's been killing it in Hooper. high school this year. Hooper. Yeah. I'm actually uh, going to see Rayvon Griffith for his uh, senior night here in Arizona. So let me wear my Bearcat stuff. So there you go. um, I'm very excited to see him, what he looks like. So, and maybe who knows, there's still some time in the recruiting window. Maybe the Bearcats drop a a, a late offer in to uh, one Bronny James and just be like, Hey, (laughs) why don't you come uh, join, uh, join us here at Cincinnati? You know, yeah. why not? Jordan Brand, Cincinnati. All... It's a huge deal. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'm not optimistic that's not going to happen, but uh, I, I do think that just the ability to recruit and bring, relate to these young guys, I think that's just really what matters right now. And obviously, if people see Rayvon Griffith and Jizzle James here producing and they're like, okay, yeah, Cincinnati's a good place because recruiting is different in basketball where, like, you know, you, you're not recruiting against like the local schools. It's all national. Like, I feel it's like true. every Joe Chipton tweet I see is like, this guy's got 10 schools on his list and it's like Oregon and Kentucky yeah. and Virginia and like Texas, like it's everywhere. Like you, you have to be a national national recruiter. And obviously I want West to recruit local kids in Ohio, but you, you kind of have to be a national recruiter in basketball. Like that's just that's a good point. What my take from Twitter, you know, like how, oh, how you have to recruit basketball, but you know, I just, I think at the end of the day, it just comes down to if Wes is able to get more talent in and recruit and shout out to like, you know, Kalu Azikpe. Azikpe, like he was all like gone to the bench and now he's kind of back and playing every now and then we saw Rob Finnessy come back. Yeah. Um, and he's going to help out. Hopefully John Newman is able to join at some point this year. If not, maybe he gets a medical year, another one, and comes back for year six next year. That would be awesome. Um, having having a guy like John Newman next year in the first season of the Big 12, having that veteran experience, we're going to still have some veteran experience, but that's going to be really important. Just getting yep. that out there. Yep. Justin, uh, should, we, uh, should we talk about it? Well, that's the end of the show, everybody. Uh, yeah, wrapping it up. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, you talked about getting screwed earlier. Yeah. And speaking speaking of games that 
um, you know, don't really feel like they're getting decided by referees. I think this is the like all time case of game being decided by the referees. Um, I don't know, man. I, I saw, I saw a whole lot of tweets about just the way this turned out. The most surprising to me was a guy who said, yeah, I'm a Steelers fan and I can even see that in all my hatred for the Bengals, I will never cheer for them a day in my life. That shit's rigged. Like <laughs> that was the one for me where I'm like, all right, at least somebody else sees it. Cause like, I mean, that was the most trending thing. And the thing is, is like Cincinnati, they have a pretty large fan base that's growing out much further than the reach used to be considering the young players, the young talent, the coolness around the franchise but if nfl rigged is the number one thing trending after this game somebody else is talking about it other than cincinnati and there's a lot of people that were watching that game and damn dude like that that sucked like that thoroughly sucked it felt like i i have never in my life seen a game where it's just felt like everything just got just stripped away and i mean we've seen games where it's like okay like a ref makes a bad call or a dicey call in a late game situation where maybe it's like all right you're not being consistent throughout the game you're not you're 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 not calling everything and then you call something after the game super bowl last year but this year it was all game long look at this look at the penalty sheet and then watch all the clips. Bengals, nine penalties for 71 yards. Chiefs, four for 55. Sure, yeah, they got a touchdown taken off the board. Whatever. I I don't care, man. This this sucked from a referee, from a referee point of view, from a fan point of view. If I was a Kansas, Kansas City Chief fan, if this went the other way and I saw that many calls. Sure, we're gonna find a way to shit talk. Everybody finds a way to shit talk. You're you're the refs can only the refs can only be bad when you lose, and they can only be good when you win. But that was awful. That was bad. Just bad. Everybody could see it. Yeah, I don't know. That, just, I, less about the game, more about that. <laughs> uh you know, and I, I do think maybe it was a little bit of uh Cincinnati getting a little bit too ahead of itself before the game. And obviously the chiefs did take draw from some of that inspiration and did say that after the game, but yeah, it wasn't like, you know, the Bengals were like the bills were last week, like the Bengals were right in that game right until the end. And then, you know, fortunately the O-line issues reared their ugly head and it was just uh, uh, kind of over from there. But I really thought, man, this is an awesome moment. Joe Burrow gets his chance to drive the team down the field and kick a field goal and do it. And it just didn't happen. So I was, uh, I was hurt. Weirdly enough, Justin, I want to hear your opinion on this too. I was more like upset slash like just mad this year. than I was last, like last year, I was just like, depression, just (laughs) depressed this year. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's different too when it's the Super Bowl uh, from the AFC yeah. Championship, just because like you know I I had never seen like obviously la- before the last two years the Bengals in the AFC Championship game, but 
I've never seen my team in like a championship game, you know, where the right. title, the trophy is being handed out right after the game, you know? And yeah. it's just like, you know, you get all the way there. You'll, you, you want to win it. And right. this year, like, I was just like, yeah, like this shit, like, I don't want to say it's rigged because like the Bengals just didn't have it at the end, but Mahomes getting a lot of credit for beating Burrow once in four tries. And uh, yep. I don't know. Like, I know he was hurt and whatever. They're just going to immortalize him after that game. But I don't know. I just, I, it just does not fit my narrative that Joe Burrow is the best quarterback. No, see, yeah, no. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm with you on that, but like this, this is the thing that just pissed me off personally is I understand Patrick Mahomes is a generational talent. Patrick Mahomes is somebody we're going to be talking about for a long time. Do I like Patrick Mahomes? No. Do I respect Patrick Mahomes? Hell yeah. Dude is a baller. He is a once in a lifetime type of quarterback has insane skill and the chiefs are super good. Am I happy for Travis Kelsey? Absolutely. I'm happy for Travis Kelsey. Am I happy for Brian cook? Yes. I am happy that they are succeeding. I am happy that they are succeeding. I will never not be happy for my Bearcats. I will always be happy for them. The rest of the Chiefs, they can burn. Don't care. Those two, happy for them. But when it comes to this situation, it, the, the thing that frustrates me the most is seeing, seeing the narrative going into the Bills game. It's all about the Bills being the Cinderella team. It's all about the Bills building off of this horrific incident and all of this, you know, just... They're, they're doubted. They, they, you know, they're a very good team who's beat not really anybody that they should beat in the big games that they're supposed to, but they get a lot of credit for almost winning to teams. The Bengals don't get jack shit for almost getting there. The Bengals don't get jack shit for really being there and getting taken out of it at the end. I'm still angry about this game. I like you said, I'm not sad about this game. I'm angry about the game. There, there is the thing is, is like you look at this, and, and of course, like Chiefs fans, they're gonna eat that up. And if it is what it is, but the Bengals, the Bengals were not part of this narrative, and that's that's what I get. Like, and and you know, you could say the rig thing, it is, is not. I don't know, you know, I don't want to be the one who says that all this is rigged either, even though afterwards I definitely said it was because I was very angry. But 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 when you look at this conversation, when you look at this narrative and not on a tinfoil hat conspiracy theory thing, just look at the conversations around the team. Look at how they talk about the Bengals. Look at how they talk about the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes is God right now for ESPN, for Fox, for CBS, for all these outlets that cover football. And the Bengals are just the team that pisses people off. Do I like that villain narrative? Everybody loves that villain narrative. You want to be the guys that piss people off. But like when it comes to a game that's this close and when it comes to a situation where it's like, all right, you're playing for some real stuff here. Like this is a big game. Like this isn't a regular season game where you're playing for seeds anymore. You're playing for the big game. And all of the conversation leading up and all of the conversation after is about how one man and one team is just the greatest thing that since sliced bread that everybody's seen. And the other team is just, yep. Yeah. You know, we didn't really think that they, they should win and all this when we were in it, man, like it, it's, they act like they act like the Bengals just don't matter. And it's very frustrating. And they act like it's yeah. just a one-time hit 
We're, we're a, we're a one-time platinum kind of thing. And then we disappear into the ether. And that is not who this team is. It sucks, but and it, it sucks because we know going forward, how hard it is to be at this competitive of a level year in and year out And the chiefs have got it made. And now that they're doing this, it's going to make it even easier for them going forward. It is not going to make it harder when you go to the Super Bowl again for the third time in four years. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're just not the narrative team. And I, I think being that background team just kind of sucks. Yep. Yep. Well, we're, we're, we are the Colts to the, uh, the, 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 <laughs> uh, the, the Kansas city Patriots of, uh, I just love that. Like we are in the Brady versus Manning thing now all over again. Um, That's true. And the chargers have a quarterback who everybody says is good, but time's a flat circle, baby. It who is really uh, is. Real quick before they end the show, who is the Josh Allen comparison to like the early, you know what I'm talking about, like the early 2000s and 2010s, like that just reigned there where like, you know, they, it was clearly these two guys fighting it out every year. And then like, you know, there was Phil Rivers. Would, would you consider, you know what? I was going to say Breeze, I, but Super Bowl takes it out the conversation. Just from an AFC sense, and you take away Ben Roethlisberger's Super Bowls, of course, but I see Josh Allen as the Ben Ben Roethlisberger, like the the third guy who's like, why aren't people talking about this guy? He's really good, and then but it's like, eh, he, you know, he just he keeps getting older and older and stuff, and so that's obviously not fair to Ben Roethlisberger. But I don't really care about Ben. That's not not no. That's not it's not that it's not fair to Ben Roethlisberger. What you just said is not fair to Josh Allen. He's not a human trash bag like Ben Roethlisberger. That too. That too. Uh, we, we we hear some. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that, that allegory doesn't really work, so but no, I, I, think- I understand what you're saying. Like there's there, like you said, time, time in this is a flat circle. And this, this really does feel like that Brady versus Manning conversation. And I think, you know, in this situation, Joe Burrows, definitely the Manning and Brady and Mahomes is the flash that everybody talks about and goes to the Super Bowl all the time. Um, hopefully this is the conversation that we keep having year in and year out and it's about Mahomes and Burrow and Josh Allen fades into the background that's what we had hoped for but is still a very talented quarterback that leads a very talented team that just happens to come up short but everybody talks about like they're going to win the Super Bowl every year um like I said the narrative we don't fit it but I will continue to enjoy playing the narrative of the team that destroys everybody's preseason favorites and the team that people pick to be third or second in their own division and then ends up just taking care of business i'll take that i'll take that to bring back a quote from our bailey days justin no one likes us that's okay uh so you know it it's it's all right i mean you don't have to like us i we're just enjoying this ride and as long as joe burrow's here the window is open baby so and it I'm gonna be, looks like it should uh, be the case for a while. <laughs> I'm, I'm still going to be shunning sports podcasts and all things sports for at least a couple of days other than the Bearcats game um, tonight as you're listening. But other than that, man, it was a great season and just pretty crazy to go, start 0-2 and end up in the AFC Championship game. You know? We no were not ever supposed to be here. That's yep. and that, there, There's your narrative. We were not supposed to be here and look where they got. Bengals had a great season figured out a way to get there all the way up until the very end, but it I'm was getting fun a Joe Burrow candle. <laughs> Still got to get that. It's on the way. I'm sure. Um, just real quick before we head out here, wanted to give a quick shout out to the hockey team. 
keep it going, boys. Beat up on X this weekend, swept them two nothing. Uh, we've got got the dub at Sports Plus, and then at the home of the Cincinnati Cyclones Heritage Bank Arena. So shout out to the hockey team, man. Keep on rolling, guys. Maybe with this Big Twelve money, we can finally start that hockey program we've been wanting. Armory Fieldhouse, book it. I give it, I give it, I give it four years, four years before Armory Armory Fieldhouse is turned into. Uh, we'll see how Title IX distribution of teams works, but there's going to be a way that we get that hockey team in D1. It's happening. Justin, I'm going to make one billion dollars and then just start the hockey program. How about that? Five year plan. Honestly, you really don't even need a billion dollars. You just need a couple million. Well, or something. I, I want the billion for myself. You know? <laughs> oh well, okay, fair, a... fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Steve. Steve is not a charitable. Pro- like, this is not a charity. He he's just come on. He, now. He's got to make something out of this. So yeah, yeah. Come on. Anyways, no, just... thank you guys for listening to this week's very very long episode. This is by far the longest one that we have done in a long time. This is what like three Zoom calls. Uh, so I have no idea how long it's going to be, but it's going to be way too much. Um, again, it was nice to have you all on here. If you've listened to the end, um, shoot us a DM and tell us to shut up. Uh, and I will definitely appreciate that if you do. Uh, with that said, take it easy, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully with uh, some more good news. Maybe some more interesting conversations on basketball. And maybe we'll feel a little bit better. <laughs> maybe we maybe we won't just be meh. Maybe we'll be more than that. Um, and we should have some very interesting news that we've waited a little bit on, but should be official soon. So again, take it easy, guys. Go Bearcats. Keep checking us out on Spotify, Apple Pods, Twitter. And if you're new, stick around. Go Bearcats, baby. Go Bearcats.